Hey Nerd Herders, you're listening to Go Chuck Yourself. In this episode, Aaron and I recap and analyze the 13th episode of Chuck, Chuck vs. the Marlin. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts. You don't want to miss out on any future episodes. Now this is particularly important this time around because this is the season finale of Chuck, so it's kind of like our season finale. We're going to have a couple more bonus episodes coming out after this, but after those episodes come out, we're going to be looking towards Season 2, so you don't want to miss out on the start of Season 2 or those bonus episodes, so make sure you subscribe so you stay in the loop. Also, speaking of Season 2, we'd love to hear your feedback about our show as we get ready for Season 2. Uh, anything that you think that we could be doing better, anything that you like, anything you'd like to see more of, all of that stuff will be great. Please email us at gochuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, and hey, if you got any interesting stories about Chuck, about Chuck Season 1, Chuck in general, anything like that, write to us, let us know, and we might read your letter on the air. Now, thank you very much. I hope you have a pleasant new year, a happy 2019. Here we go! episode and now it is how I am referring to all of you. Get used to it. Here we are with episode 13, lucky number 13, and today we're going to be talking about episode 13 of Chuck. Hang on a second, Chris, do you smell something? Uh, oh yeah, what is that? Something smells a little fishy. That's oh. right everyone, we're talking about Chuck versus the Marlin. Chuck I guess... beats the hell out of that Marlin. That yeah, he, fish. he does. I think, uh, I mean, I would hope that Big Mike isn't hanging out with a smelly marlin in his office. I hope that's been, like, treated with polyurethane or something, but I don't know. We have good noses here on Go Check Yourself. We do. We sniff out the facts. We do. So, who who are we, you may ask? My name is Aaron Arada. My name is Chris Gillespie. Thanks for asking. I, I did. I was, Yeah, that's. I asked you with my mind. And you Chris, did. I have a question for you today. You have a question for me? Yeah, I do. Okay. Does, does something seem a little different about today's recording? Um, yeah, a little bit. Um, I can't put my finger on it. Uh, this is the uh, this is the show where we talk about Chuck, right? It's not another show. We talk about Chuck. Mm, um, yeah, I think I think that's right. Okay. Um, uh, I watched it on the DVD. You watched it on something else. I don't know I what it's relevant. Did you use VLC Media Player? I did not this time. Okay, around, that no. might be it. That could be it. Oh, maybe. Okay, is it that? No, that doesn't feel right either. No, it's not that. Um, you're, wearing, you're wearing a blanket. Um, yes. I am wearing a blanket. This is a new blanket. It's a new blanket? Yeah, it's from, uh, it's from Target. It's, uh, it's pretty nice. It's very warm. I would highly recommend the Target Children's Department for all of your blanket needs. Okay, well, I'm not going to buy that because I'm not a child. Um, is it the new... Is that a different dream catcher in the background there? No, it's the same one. No, it's, it's the same uh, one. It's getting a little clogged, though, with, uh, with dreams. Because I got so many ambitions. Uh, that you was know, adorable. You know what I think it is? Whoa. I think it's that we're uh, discussing the season one finale of Chuck. Whoa! 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 Episode 13 is how it ends! This is the it? The show is over! We are free! Yes! We're done! We're like the genie in Aladdin. Yep, or just, just any genie, I guess. Set that us free. free. We, uh, we uh, answered all 13 wishes and now we're done. <laughs> 
Uh, you know, speaking of wishes, mm. you want to know one of my favorite Christmas movies, Chris? Sure, this is the Christmas episode of Go Check Yourself. Yeah, it Yourself. is the Christmas episode of Go Check Yourself. Merry Christmas, and, uh, everyone. Happy holidays. Gather happy holidays. your family around the fire and listen to Go Check Yourself, as is yeah. the new family tradition. Unfortunately, you're going to have to do it a week early because we will be taking off the week of Christmas to uh, celebrate with our families and, you know, uh, do do Christmas Christmas things, holiday things, put up mm-hmm. some stockings. Mainly doing whatever we can to not talk about this project amongst our family. I'm gonna, I think my family's going to bring it up. We really? found out this week that we have a listener in Maryland, and it, it very well could be my grandmother. I hope it's not. Grandma, please stop listening right now if it's you. Hey, Aaron's grandma. Thanks for listening. I'm, I hope you're enjoying the show so far. I'm really sorry. This is probably really like changing your perceptions of your granddaughter. <laughs> uh, but she's doing a good job. I appreciate all the hard work she does on the show now more than ever. Uh, anyhow, thanks for listening, and we hope to see you real soon. That was that was a nice message to my grandma. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, no problem. Well, uh, as Chris said, this is the uh, only podcast that discusses Chuck 11 years after it originally aired. We are 11 years after the... Uh, after the fateful episode of The Apprentice that uh, the, this fateful episode of Chuck aired after. That's right. Uh, if you listen to the last episode, you know that um, the episode 12 played earlier on a Monday evening, and then there was a break for an episode of the television show The Apprentice, um, the host of which is now the president. And then after that episode, this episode of Chuck aired. Um, interestingly enough, though, I realized this, it's not 11 years after that one, because these episodes aired in January. Oh no! Oh my god! So so ten years. <laughs> Amazing. All right. <laughs> so uh, we are not behind the times now. Nope. We're gonna take a quick musical break, and then we will be right back to discuss Chuck versus the Marlin. version of our song it, it was it was maybe you heard some some holiday bells if you did let us know why why are you even bringing that up why would you suggest that Aaron you know I don't have the ability to do that in post-production well I thought maybe if we suggested that there were bells hidden in there then people would just like think that there had been oh okay, okay I thought I, gotcha. I could pull pull the wool over on their eyes anyway welcome to discussing episode 13 of Chuck Chuck versus the Marlin we have uh, we have some great things to discuss here for you today, and without further ado, Chris is going to take it away. That's right. I'm going to be steering the ship this week. I don't know why. Say it. We... Say it. Just say say what you came here to say, Chris. So the reason that I'm steering the ship is because Aaron forgot that we were recording tonight. So the only way that we could feasibly record and keep on schedule was if I did the notes and the main plot synopsis for the episode, which I agreed to do, and. You know, you hear about people walking a mile in each other's shoes. It's a whole different situation when you're walking through someone's eyeballs on an episode of Chuck. Felt like I got real intimate with this episode. I felt like I literally feel like I watched a Chuck movie based on how long it took me to get through this episode. I can't believe this was only 44 minutes. All right. On that note. This is my first time on Go Chuck Yourself doing an episode recap, and what, what better place to start than on footage of various <laughs> busty women's cleavage <laughs> being played on a small digital device as a song plays that goes ring-a-ding-ding, ring-a-ding-ding, 
We see that Bymore's resident knuckleheads, Jeff and Lester, are transfixed watching this footage. Uh, here, Jeff lives up to his motto from a previous episode. Who cares if they're fake? Jeff and Lester certainly do not. Did you, th- did you think that, I mean, I thought everything looked, looked normal, looked real. I think you've been in Los Angeles for too long, Aaron. Those are definitely <laughs> fake. Okay, well, I thought that uh, that was not the biggest problem here, but okay, keep going. You know, I said that it took me two hours to get through this episode. Uh, it was because I was paused on this particular moment for so long, and I was trying to process, like, how, why, why did they start the episode like this? Oh, okay, that's a good reason to be paused on it. I thought you were going a different direction there. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. I was like, oh my god, look at the boobs, pause. You just had to pause and take a screenshot of each individual one for your own uh, records. And then send to all my other preteen friends. <laughs> yep. Uh, I don't remember what I thought about this the first time I watched it, but God knows. Okay, so sure, this moment is uncomfortable, but hey, at least all the footage that we're seeing was in the past, and we will not have to see the process of how this footage is created. Wrong. A woman, who Jeff and Lester refer to as the shawarma girl, arrives with a delivery for lunch and places the box of shawarma down as Jeff records down her shirt using a uh, like a little handy cam. They stare, their mouths are open... They're breathing through their mouths, and they're just staring at her while recording her. And man, is it uncomfortable and not funny. Um, we find that Jeff and Lester have ordered from this woman 29 times this month alone. I think it's 28 alone. at this point. 28? Yeah. Because they 28 say 29 times. later. Okay. 28 times this month, and they're getting close to getting their like special like rewards program prize. Um, have you ever succeeded in one of those? In a reward? Yeah, actually, um, at my old coffee place, I had a, a punch card that I succeeded with. Yeah, what'd you get? I just got a free coffee. Alright, cool. Uh, so, at this point... <laughs> That's a fun bit. Our hero and our beacon of morality, Chuck, enters and immediately shuts down the lewd behavior by reminding Jeff and Lester of Big Mike's, quote, no memory cam policy, end quote. Did you think Chuck was a little chill about this? He, he just kind of seemed like he was like, oh, you scamps. I can't do anything about it, but you know it's against the rules, guys. Wink, wink. <laughs> I mean, that's totally valid. I was just happy that there was some other voice in the scene that was at least <laughs> expressing that this was wrong. I, I didn't care how loud that voice was as long as it was there. That's um, fair. But yeah, no, he definitely could have been more disgusted yeah. by it. Uh, I also wanted to point out, this is a couple years before, um, I guess if this is 2008, this is coming out... Uh, Three years before the Avengers, um, I think we're we're repping shawarma here on here on Chuck. Oh it's yeah, pretty exciting. Because I point. really thought like Avengers brought it to the map, but no, it was Chuck. Mm. And yeah. also like the people who invented shawarma, like they they brought it to the map. <laughs> but like, you know, you know what I'm saying. So as this whole thing is going on and you're trying to uh, calm down, maybe not feel as sick to your stomach, uh, who? <laughs> Who but uh, Captain Awesome himself, Devin, enters to talk to Chuck about Ellie and saying that he's going through a lot of confusing times and he needs some help. Now, um, I think it was in the the last episode of Chuck where he and Ellie were having some issues with their relationship and they were going through a rough patch. So is this potentially related to that? Are they still going through rough times? Um, During his heart-to-heart conversation with Devin, Chuck flashes on a small electronic device hidden in the Biomore shelves, and he has a very intense flash. I thought this was, like, the most flashiest of all the flashes. It had all the good stuff. We're talking Moscow. We're talking exploding bombs. We're talking 
Foxborough, Massachusetts. I made note of that too. I got really excited and then really confused. Like, was someone plotting something against Foxborough? It was the, uh, it was, uh, Deflategate. That's what he flashed on. Deflategate? Yeah. I was the Patriots s- are in Foxborough. You know what I'm saying. Well, here's the thing. I was going to save this until later, but apparently it was Spygate, which is what they call it that time when the Patriots were videotaping other teams. Oh, okay. Um, now we know. So, I was going to save that for later, but all there right, you well, go. Alright, well, sorry I ruined your joke. So, that's alright. I mean, it was the Chuck Rogers joke, and obviously... We were more confused than thinking it was funny. (laughs) So, um, after flashing, Chuck navigates out of the conversation with Devin and brings the electronic bug to Casey, who's working in the back room of Bymore. And by working, I mean using a box cutter to cut a slice into the center of a cardboard box that has already been flattened. (laughs) Chuck didn't even notice. (laughs) He was cutting it in just the weirdest spot. Um... Chuck confronts Casey and tells him that he needs to be less sloppy if he's going to plant bugs around the Bymore. And Casey tells him to leave the spy stuff to him and before he leaves Chuck to go investigate the situation. Chuck was being a little sassy. A little sassy pants in this moment. He was, yeah. He's Well, now him and Casey have had that bonding moment, so Chuck kind of feels a little bit... Because they had the start of a beautiful friendship, now they're in the beautiful friendship. Mm, I wish I was Maybe... in beautiful friendship. Frenemies. Frenemies, yeah. Still, I'm stu- instead, I'm stuck with you. God damn it. Oh. <sighs> Casey says, um, what are you lip smacking about during the scene? And I really like that. And I'm going to utilize <laughs> that in my everyday life. That's good. I support that. That's folksy. Yeah. So after talking to Casey, Chuck returns to the sales floor. And I noted this as a, a piece of retail realism for you non-retail employees. Um, this is accurate. How often you go from in between the back room of a store to the sales floor. Uh, constantly, all the time, every day. In I fact, can confirm that too. I racked up so many miles walking just <laughs> between the back and front of stores. Uh, I, yeah, I'd walk like, you know, up to eight miles potentially on a shift, just going that's, back and forth. That's amazing. That's but, really impressive. That's yeah. how you stay, uh, that's how you stay so fit. Well, that's how I stayed so fit. Now I'm uh, old and fat. Yeah. Anyhow, Chuck returns to the sales floor and sees his number one buddy and the number one person on our Go Chuck Yourself Predator <laughs> watch list, Morgan Grimes. Uh, Morgan says that he has reason to believe that Chuck received an advanced copy of, get this, the new Call of Duty game, which is, of course, a true statement any year after 2005. Yes, Aaron. I want to play a game uh, at this point. I want to begin a game at this point in the episode mm-hmm. where um, it's, it's a drinking game. A okay. beverage of your choice. Grab some beer, wine, or grape soda, um, and we're gonna we're gonna do a shot every time they make a reference to Call of Duty in this episode. So here's your first shot. Go. I do. Uh, I just recently purchased some dairy-free eggnog at the store. All right, that that's what you're be, gonna take shots that, of. That's what I'm gonna take shots of. Um, I'm gonna go get some. I'll edit it in so it sounds like I never left, but yeah, I'll be taking shots of that. Um, Anyhow, Chuck says that he can't trust Morgan with the game demo because he's immature and he posted the last demo that he got online, uh, while Morgan insists that he can be trusted since he's almost old enough to need a prostate exam. How, what, what age is that? Uh, Are you old enough for that? I don't know. Okay, I think I, you need to consult your healthcare professional. I would, but I recently just became on my own health insurance plan, so oh, okay. I will no longer be talking to doctors. <laughs> um do you, what do you know about prostates? Could you give me, like, some free tips? Uh, my dad is getting a colonoscopy when I go home. The, the first day that I'm home, I'm going to have to monitor him. I think mm-hmm. that's different. But, it is different, but um, I was that's... thinking of colonoscopies just a moment ago. I think they're very <laughs> similar. 
yeah. <laughs> you enter through the same door, if you know what I mean. Ooh, okay. Well, uh, my my dad is in his 50s, so maybe that's how old Morgan is. <laughs> that would be a good twist if Morgan was just in his 50s <laughs> and Chuck was in his mid-20s. That would, that would actually, I mean, on on one hand, it would be really sad that Morgan was that old and had not, like, progressed at all it would just be like even more depressing but on the other hand maybe he was like an old man and would explain why he's so sexist yeah well put another one in the dream catcher right so chuck brushes off this interaction with morgan like all of his interactions with morgan and goes looking for devin devin is relaxing in a home theater section not the home theater section that's reserved for spies (laughs) devin says some cryptic things but then ultimately asks chuck for his permission to propose to ellie I was very excited. I wrote a lot of things in all capitals here. I thought it was really sweet. I didn't really think that the fake-out was necessary. Like, I guess seeing this back-to-back with the other episode, it kind of would have felt like maybe he wanted to get Chuck's opinion on their fight. Maybe he was still, like, upset about things. Mm -hmm. But I kind like, I don't know. It seemed unnecessary to make him, like, that nervous and that cagey about it. I feel like we could have just seen that it was, like, a cute thing. It was nice. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Chuck is the man in Ellie's life, so he wanted to get her permission because men own women. Anyhow, Chuck is a benevolent ruler, so he says, yes, (laughs) of course Devin can marry Ellie. That's really nice. But Devin can't keep the ring in the apartment because Ellie is a ring hound. Where has he been keeping it up until now, do you think? Well, here's the thing. He he says later on that he received the ring from his great-grandmother when she was on her deathbed. So, so did she just die? He just came from the funeral for his great-grandmother and ah, was like, I got the ring now, let's make right. this happen. That makes sense. <laughs> maybe in the last episode when we were wondering where he spent the night, maybe he was with his dead grandma. He was maybe at, that's what was happening. He was saying his, goodbye. His great-grandmother was dying. <laughs> oh, like, wow, poor Devin. Is, why is Devin so tired and sad on this episode? He just looks like he's just, wow. <laughs> looks like he's been through a lot. But he's, uh, he's doing well. He's holding it together. Yeah. Um, so Devin asks Chuck to hold on to the ring for him just for a day or two while he decides how he wants to pop the old question. And because if he does not give the ring to Chuck, uh, not a lot of uh, motivation for the rest of the episode, I suppose. But anyhow, Chuck agrees to hold on to the ring for Devin and everything is good. Meanwhile, at the Wienerlicious, Sarah <laughs> speaks perfect German to a customer without subtitles. So we do not know what she says. She, I mean, she probably just said, like, something that was relevant to ordering a hot dog, but I didn't realize that so much was required for her job, considering she's never there. Right. Or that, I mean, this is impressive. So she started this business a mere 13 episodes ago at the Wienerlicious, <laughs> and now she's already gaining the attention of actual German tourists who are yeah. looking for German food while they're in Burbank. Authentic German corn dogs. Just like Sarah used to make. Yeah. So after she has this pleasant interaction with a customer and Wienerlicious seems to be doing well despite the loss of Scooter, Casey enters and says, we have a problem. Using a secret computer kiosk built into the Wienerlicious counter, Sarah and Casey talk with Beckman and the other guy who informs Sarah and Casey that the bug is an advanced short-range CIA bug that is likely being used by Fulcrum. Fulcrum, again, being the secret rogue cell inside the CIA who wants to uh, capture Chuck. Or yes, the intersect. yes, they do. They want to capture the intersect. And up until this point, they have, well, I guess still at this point, they think it's Bryce. Mm-hmm. But it was still a little bit confusing because we were unclear on if they thought it was Bryce or not. And the way that this was phrased, Casey very quickly is like, come within a hair of finding out Chuck is the intersect. And if, like, I wasn't completely paying attention to this part. 
I completely missed him saying, come within a hair, and I just thought that they knew that Chuck was the intersect. But that apparently is the problem here, because they, um, with their long-range transmitter, they may find out that Chuck is the intersect. Right, because they infiltrated Bymore, and yes. obviously the only thing that they talk about in Bymore is how Chuck has the secret government computer inside his head. I mean, they do talk about it a lot. They're not very subtle. No, they're not. Anyhow, we also learned from this conversation with Beckman and the other guy that Sarah and Casey have only 48 hours to find the bug's accompanying receiver that is hidden inside somewhere inside the Bymore. If they cannot identify the enemy operative, Beckman says that they will have no choice but to relocate Chuck to a secret holding area where, they say, Chuck's life as a civilian will come to an end and he will never see his family again. Happy holidays, everyone. Well, it's better than when they uh, were saying that they were going to kill him. Which brings me to my point. Why are, like, Beckman is being so cavalier here. She's like, oh, we're going to have to send Chuck into hiding. She was plotting his death two episodes ago. Why are, why are they being so chill about this? I was thinking about that, too, and I, I wonder if that was odd for people watching in real time. Because, like, yeah. the Christmas break ends with Beckman being like, well, we're going to kill Chuck. And then when the yeah. show comes back, you think they're going to be trying to kill him. But they really do not mention it at all. Yeah, it's weird. I guess maybe, like, the Intersect 2.0 isn't done yet, but... Like, I don't know, I was pretty impressed with Beckman's, like, acting ability here. Yeah, at least Beckman's not like, well, we'll put him in a holding cell until we have to kill him, in which case we'll kill him. But <laughs> yeah. in the meantime, he can't see his family. Yeah. Um, but, you know, none of this would have happened if they spent more time walking around and patrolling the buy more for these kinds of bugs <laughs> instead of installing computer terminals into the counter at Wienerlicious. Um, and obviously Chuck losing, uh, potentially losing proximity to his family is awkward because he's now playing a pivotal role in Ellie and Devin's proposal. Yes, example, that's the most important thing. Right now, he's placing the ring in the most secure location that he can think of as someone who's tangentially related to the government. His buy more employee locker. That's actually a good point. I didn't think of that. But yeah, he could have given it to Sarah or like someone. Casey, even Casey. Oh yeah, I'd definitely give it to Casey. I yeah, trust Casey, Casey would anything. not let that out of his sight. Casey no, could just not. hide it in his body hair. <laughs> I was going to say he could hide it in his body, which I guess he probably <laughs> also could. Yeah. yeah, he has. Well, he can hide it wherever he had that gun. Or you can give it to Morgan and he can hide it because he's getting ready for his prostate exam. So he's <laughs> oh, no. It'll be something for the doctor to find. <laughs> um, so anyhow, then we cut to the Chuck title sequence. What a great title sequence. But then I we get it. to the next morning when Big Mike enters the store reading what I thought was a newspaper or a trade magazine, but it was apparently a tabloid because he says that young celebrities need to wear more underwear. Do you think that was a Britney reference? Would this have, would this have lined up with that? Could have been Britney, could have been Paris Hilton, could oh, have been non-celebrity Tara Reid. Um, he enters, Big Mike enters his office to realize that everything has been stolen from the Buy More in a Grinch-like fashion with only the desk and file cabinet frames remaining, but without the actual drawers. We also see that the marlin that's been hanging on his wall this whole time has been removed, leaving only an outline. Did you notice that the store had been robbed, like, when he was walking in? No, I did not. Yeah, I didn't either. I was just like, oh, that looks, that looks pretty weird. Like, why does that look so weird? So I guess we're about as smart as Big Mike. That's right. Everything in the Buy More has been stolen, and I mean everything, except for some of the uh, digital camera fixtures. The... The thieves left those behind. I guess they didn't want those. <laughs> they did not want those. Um, they but everything else is gone. All the Call of Duty, all of the Guitar Hero, all of it's gone. Um, what a shame. Take a shot. Well, I guess it's not in frame, <laughs> so don't take... I don't know. Take a shot because we mentioned it. Um, all the Bizilla products, all those blank CDs. Everything's gone. 
Um, Jeff and Lester enter the store at this point, concerned that the police are on to them because what they're doing is illegal. Uh, and they are making amateur porn. Lester is freaking out while Jeff tells him to play it cool by saying something that Aaron says to me before we start recording each week. Bring me down and I will cut you. Big Mike talks to the investigators and look, he's pissed. So pissed that he apparently forgot to check any kind of security footage that the Buy More may have because they just go straight into asking the employees what happened. They don't mention the security footage going out, right? I don't think so, but like later in the episode, well, because... No, I don't know, because they're watching security footage later, but I think that's, like, Sarah and Casey's specific security footage. Right. So, I don't know. I guess not. But we um, we learn later that the cop that they get isn't a real cop, so maybe that's why. Sorry for the spoiler. Upon arriving at the store, Chuck learns that everything has been stolen and panics. He immediately runs to the break room to check his locker and look for the ring, and much to his dismay, uh, the ring has been stolen as well as everybody else's possessions. Everything's gone. Just as Chuck is freaking out, Devin calls him and tells him he's decided how he's going to pop the question. But he can't get into too much detail about it because Ellie is in the other room practicing sewing stitches into a turkey. Yeah, I guess that is what she's doing. They do not cook the turkey, she's just sewing it getting ready for work, (laughs) as you do. Uh, Devin is suspended in the air using one of those exercise things. Um, Have you ever used one of those things, Erin? I haven't, but my old roommate used to do this. Like, he had, like, a bar in our kitchen, and I would come out, and he would be doing, like, things like this on it. Hanging and upside kind down? Of, I, I don't know if I ever saw him upside down. I definitely saw him, like, doing pull-ups. So maybe maybe I'm speaking a little too out of turn about him. But he, he kind of reminds me of Captain Awesome, actually. So now I, uh, I'm excited about that. I don't understand how you'd get upside down like that. That blows my mind. I get tired just thinking about that. What what would you do? You would, like, put your arms on it and then pull your legs up and through? Maybe. I don't know. I'm, like, my brain hurts thinking about it. I, know. I don't even want to think about my body. Devin tells Chuck that he wants to propose to Ellie during skydiving. You ever skydive, Aaron? <laughs> what do you think? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no, too. But I was wondering here, he asked Chuck to hold on to the ring like for a couple of days i think you have to make appointments for skydiving like i don't know the la lifestyle i don't think you can just go that day doesn't ellie have work well it sounds like that i assume that they had it like already scheduled and he was going to do it like while they were doing it okay i guess that makes sense but were they gonna go skydiving that day no i think he was probably just gonna like wait a little bit longer i don't know i don't know their lives Devin talks about how important the ring is to chuck uh, and this is where he tells him that it was his great-grandmother's ring, which she gave to him while she was on her deathbed, uh, merely the night before. <laughs> Big Mike interrogates the entire Bymore staff in the meantime in a police-line fashion and asks Chuck where Casey is. Chuck says he doesn't know, and Big Mike dismisses him to go find Casey. Uh, Chuck calls Casey, and Casey answers his phone and tells him to meet up with him and Sarah in an empty airplane hangar, presumably to, I don't know, smoke weed, probably. <laughs> That happens in Pineapple Express, I think. Smoking weed? (laughs) I meant the airplane hangar, but also the weed. Upon arriving at the hangar, Chuck finds all the stuff from the Bymore and realizes that Sarah and Casey and the United States government robbed the Bymore and the working class. Why didn't Casey just say that? 
Sarah fills Chuck in on the situation regarding the fulcrum, the missing receiver. Uh, they found 28 bugs in total. Chuck inquires about the missing ring, to which Casey almost lets slip that Chuck will likely be spending the rest of his life in an underground bunker, so he shouldn't be concerned about the ring. Uh, Sarah pulls Casey aside to discuss this. She has reservations about punishing Chuck for no reason. To which Casey responds, it's a job. Why do you always have to get your lady feelings involved with this? Why did he have to gender the feelings, Casey? Following a pan which shows somebody using a metal detector to scan a Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 <laughs> banner to, deter to determine just how much money they can squeeze out of it. Chuck and Sarah and Casey are led to a computer by a grayed hair man in a suit. Great haired man in a suit plays footage from the Bymore where Jeff and Lester drunkenly wander through the store and thinking that they were turning the security cameras off, turn the cameras back on and in the process capture someone trying to pry the Marlin off of Big Mike's wall. But it wasn't <gasps> just anybody. You know what it looked like to me, Aaron? It looked like a ninja? It looked like a ninja. It looked a like a ninja! Anyhow, the ninja escapes and Jeff and Lester decide to take the Marlin themselves. So Chuck thinks that this solves the case and starts looking for the ring, but then Sarah and Casey have to break the news to him. They need to find the receiver in 24 hours, or Chuck, much like the Christmas ornaments I tried buying yesterday at Target, is going to get recalled. Oh no! Why were they recalled? <laughs> they did not tell me. Back at the Bymore, the absence of any structure or meaning or government has formed a social and political vacuum, much like that which creates terrorist groups. Except in this case, the only war happening is a thumb war between Jeff and Lester, <laughs> while the rest of the very Caucasian Bymore employees wage money on them, much like the oil barons and weapon manufacturers of today's world. I had a question about this. Is this the second or maybe third or fourth time that we've seen the Buy More employees waving money? Mm -hmm. Why do they have so much money to spend on these things? And why, like, where do they get it all? Are they pulling out it out of the cash registers, or do they just have it? Uh, well, I I did pause at this point, and mm -hmm. I was looking at the dollar bills one by one. They're all just mm -hmm. single dollar bills, so it's not a lot of money. And I think the bigger question is, why do they always gamble? Like, any time <laughs> that the Buy More employees have downtime, they're always gambling. Usually on addicted. them doing stuff. Yeah, yeah, they're addicted. That's that's what happens, I guess. Just a bunch of addicted to gambling white people working on the That's all. Bar. Yeah, that's the only, that's a uh, uh, something that in the application process they they check if you're a, a white gambler, and then if you are, you're hired. <laughs> I <laughs> uh, see what you did there. Chuck and Casey run in and bring him to the home theater room, the home theater room, <laughs> and confront Jeff and Lester and try to intimidate them into revealing where they put the Marlin. Turns out Jeff and Lester were getting dinner and drinks across the street from the Bymore when they decided to come back to the building and sneak into Big Mike's office to drink from his private stash of alcohol, uh, which in this case looked like it was a small bottle of gin. So once again, raising questions of, can anyone just enter the Bymore after hours to do whatever the fuck they want? Yeah, the answer is yes. Like, Chuck at least has, like, is kind of like a leader in some capacity, and then obviously Sarah and Casey need to get in there for spy reasons, but Jeff and Lester can go in when they're drunk and just look for more booze? Like, they think of that as a place that has booze, the Bymore, their job? <laughs> yes, the answer is yes. Um... After we see a flashback to this, Jeff and Lester say that they brought the Marlin back to Chuck's apartment for some reason. Why do they even know where Chuck lives? I don't know. I don't. They don't show them bringing the fish there? They don't. No. Back at the uh, special Buy More pop-up store happening at that airplane hangar, Beckman calls Sarah and tells her that they've decided that they really need to err on the side of caution and they're just going to capture Chuck. <laughs> uh, Sarah pushes back saying that they don't even know if Chuck is in danger, but Beckman will not have it. And... Uh, 
yeah, she won't have it. I mean, it's a lot nicer than just saying that she's going to kill Chuck, but still not great. Uh, Chuck and Casey return to Ellie in Devin's apartment and turn it upside down looking for that giant fish. Ellie returns from the grocery store and asks, hey, what's going on? To which they say, we're looking for a giant fish. Honesty. Ellie uh, should appreciate that because she's always asking Chuck to be honest with her, but she doesn't seem that appreciative. And in a moment of emotional honesty, Chuck goes up to Ellie out of nowhere and hugs her and tells her that he loves her, just in case they don't find the fish, which I thought was a nice moment. Yeah, it was, it was nice for him. It was a little confusing for her, but I, as the audience, I thought it was sweet. Right. Only after receiving this hug does Ellie reveal that Morgan was there last night, and you know what? He took a giant fish home with him. Oh. Why don't you lead with that, Ellie? Why don't, <laughs> when someone says, we're looking for the giant fish, why don't you say the last time that you saw the giant fish? You know, Whatever. Whatever, I guess Ellie just doesn't give a shit. There's, uh, a, there's a thing in this scene where Chuck says to Ellie, whatever you want to talk about is not as important as what we're looking for right now. Mm-hmm. And Ellie has given no indication that she wants to talk about anything. She has just walked in the door and said, hi guys, what are you doing? She's probably going to talk about the grocery store because she's carrying groceries and be like, yeah. ah, the line at the grocery store is crazy. Chuck is so bored with his sister. So bored. He just uh, wants to head her off any chance he can get. Big sisters are the worst. Well, you don't have one, so... What I gather from popular media is that big sisters are the worst, and the spunky little brothers are where it's at. Back at the Biomore, Big Mike and the police detective interrogate Morgan in Big Mike's abandoned office, and Big Mike reveals that he doesn't really care about the store, he just cares about the Marlin, which he bought on eBay for $200. Do you know what else Big Mike reveals in the scene? Or I guess he doesn't reveal it, but it's revealed about him. What's up? His last name is Tucker. Did you know that? No, I did not. I watched all the seasons of this show, and I never knew that his last name was Tucker. This is why we're doing this program, is so we can pick up on all the things that we missed (laughs) the first time we watched it. Like, the uh, cost of the Marlin is um, 5% of the cost of a Crown Vic. Don't go that back and out. I don't, don't know. Do, don't do the math on that one, but just trust me. Uh, <laughs> Chuck and Casey return to the Buy More. Big Mike summons Chuck to his office for an interview, while Casey goes after Morgan, saying, "I've got the scraggly troll." Now, I just want to take this time to remind our listeners at home that they should see their doctors and get checked for the scraggly troll. <laughs> uh, you don't want to pass scraggly troll to one of your loved ones, and it's best to get it addressed immediately. You don't want to be living with the scraggly troll. No, nobody wants that. That is a fate worse than death. So, uh, Big Mike interrogates Chuck, um, while Casey interrogates Morgan. But Morgan won't budge. He's a tough sell. Casey asks, what does he have to do to get Morgan to talk? And Morgan says, grape soda on the rocks, please. So he has regressed from when we saw him drinking a beer. He is now back to his childish ways. Well, ever since Anna apparently vaporized in some kind of (laughs) Infinity War style (laughs) mass extinction, uh, he's really going back to the grape soda in video games. Casey, using his spy connections, manages to get Morgan a single can of grape soda and a red Solo cup. And uh, Casey pours it into the cup, and Morgan is very excited because Morgan cannot procure his own can of grape soda. Meanwhile, Big Mike and the detective leave Chuck alone in the office after turning the thermostat up. You'd think this plays a larger role in the scene. It really doesn't. He just kind of turns it up a little bit to make Chuck sweat. I thought Chuck was going to get sweatier. I wanted that sweat to be driven. Chuck hangs his head and accidentally hits his head on the desk, which also turns out not to really play a role in anything else. He's done that twice this episode, though. Like, he he does it two times. Hitting his head? 
Yeah, I think he's having like some vision issues. I think maybe he should consult an optometrist because uh, he seems to have depth perception or something. <laughs> he falls on tables a lot. Maybe the intersect is slowly making him blind. That makes that makes sense. Uh, I'm no scientist in the intersect, but from what I hear, it can it can cause blindness. After getting the purple soda, by the purple soda, I mean grape soda, Morgan reveals that he opened Chuck's locker and stole Chuck's bag out of his employee locker while he was looking for the new Call of Duty game. Drink! After stealing the bag from Chuck's employee locker, Morgan runs to Chuck's apartment where he breaks into Chuck's bedroom through the window uh, looking for Chuck's gaming system because although Morgan likes video games, he does not have his own game system. Yeah, I was wondering this too. Like, I, why, why did he go to Chuck's house? I guess maybe, like, I don't know, maybe his mom wouldn't buy him one. Does he always play games at Chuck's house? Where did he, how did he play Call of Duty the last time that Chuck wasn't there? It's a lot know. of questions. I mean, I've, you know, there's game systems that friends houses that i don't own but like i would like playing their game system so i would understand this kind of i mean especially if you're a younger kid like morgan is and you have the mindset i mean like when i was like really little and i didn't have a ps2 and i knew someone that had a ps2 i'd be like oh my god i need to go over and get my hands on that my grubby little hands on that ps2 and do ps2 games i guess uh, that's how you like make friends in elementary school is just like based on who has the gaming system you want uh, that's how I make friends now. I walk <laughs> around my office and I go, all right, which one of you bastards has the Switch? I've never seen a game tester before, but I appreciate that on the package for the disc that they mentioned that is a beta version and that is for use with a video game system. Take a shot. They didn't explicitly say it's Call of Duty. I guess it's... Oh, okay. Well, they know that it does say Call of Duty on the package, so you're right. All right, take a shot. All right. Anyhow, inside Chuck's bag, Morgan found Devin's ring. He screams, no! And Ellie comes running into Chuck's bedroom. Morgan is upset. He says that Chuck is gone. Ellie is concerned. And then Morgan shows Ellie the ring and says that Chuck is going to propose to Sarah. Morgan has a crisis over this, just as Casey has a crisis over Morgan not telling him where the damn Marlin is. I was pretty disappointed that Ellie sees the ring before it gets given to her. Mm. And I thought this would play a bigger role. I thought maybe she would comment that it was beautiful, but she has nothing to say about that ring. Ellie is very not interested in getting married. <laughs> so, I think you're right. But you know what time it is. It's noontime. They're at the buy more, which means it's time for lunch, which means it's time for another shawarma delivery from the shawarma delivery woman. As Jeff and Lester are swooning over the shawarma delivery woman, Chuck has a realization while watching this unfold from inside Big Mike's office. Jeff and Lester have ordered from the shawarma woman 29 times. The same number as the number of bugs found in the store. What? So she's just always dropping bugs? Can't she, like, skip it sometimes? Like, well, why I do they need so many? This is kind of a, a logical fallacy. Just because you see the same number pop up twice doesn't mean that there's any correlation. <laughs> I think there's so much random randomness in the universe that we can't really, you know... I don't Chris, you're, for, you're forgetting one important detail. Sure, what's that? This is a television show. <sighs> I thought we were looking to a, a window into an alternate dimension. <laughs> Maybe. Do you say maybe or do you say baby? <laughs> either either one. You'll never know. Oh, baby. Chuck sneaks through the ceiling tiles as awkwardly as you would imagine before It he looked finds... really fun up there, though. Yeah. I kind of wanted to hang out there. It looked kind of like a laser tag area. Yeah, don't go up there. There's asbestos up there. <laughs> uh, he goes down and sneaks into the hallway and finds Jeff and Lester's pervy mini-DVD masterpiece, which they hid in a little vent on the side of the wall. Um, he uses Big Mike's computer after sneaking back into the office to play the DVD, 
and he scrubs through it, uh, through all the boobs, until he finds a still frame of shawarma girl's face, which he then emails to Sarah, whose email is sh- <laughs> is uh, Sarah at wienerlicious.net. Oh, I didn't notice that, but I'm I would like to point out here that I think he sent a video of her planting a bug. I think that was what he was trying to send. Or was it her face that he was trying to send? Oh, maybe it was her planting a bug. I just assumed that was her face and that Sarah was going to cross-reference it to a database. But we also find out at this moment that Shawarma Girl has a name, and her name is Lizzie. That's nice. Nice name. So Lizzie hangs around the Bymore with uh, the nerd herd and uh, etc. until she hears mention of the Marlin. Specifically, Morgan saying that he hid the Marlin in the freezer of the Wienerlicious. How did Morgan get into the Wienerlicious in the middle of the night? Who knows? <laughs> Lizzie then goes to the Wienerlicious and asks to take something out of the freezer, to which Sarah explains that only Wienerlicious employees are allowed in the kitchen and in the freezer because that is how restaurants work. This was so <laughs> weird. Like, I feel like she should have had a better, like, because she should have just said, like, can I use your bathroom or something? <laughs> Hello, like, I'd like to take something out of your freezer. <laughs> what could she possibly need to take out? <laughs> oh, sure, right this way. <laughs> um, but Lizzie was just pulling a fast one on Sarah because she takes out a silenced handgun from her delivery bag <laughs> and points it at Sarah across the counter, which Sarah immediately deflects and swats it out of her hand because Sarah don't give a shit. Sarah don't give a shit. She also don't give a shit about the established nickname for this person because she calls her PETA girl. She's shawarma girl. Come on. Keep up, Sarah. But, I mean, she wasn't thinking straight. Uh, Lizzie had just called her. She said, you're no hot dog maker. To which Sarah responds, bring it on, Peter girl. And then they cut to a commercial. Uh, What if the twist had been that Lizzie actually was not a folk agent, but she worked for PETA, the animal welfare agency? Why? Oh, because Sarah's selling hot dogs, which are animal products? Yeah, she's just, she's against that. That's why she's going to shoot her. (laughs) I would have preferred if they just had, after said, bring it on PETA girl, if they look right into the camera and said, we'll be right back after this commercial <laughs> break. Because then we return from the commercial break and they're locked in the same position, but they're motionless. And there's not really a lot of stress. Like they kind of just seem like they're hanging out, <laughs> but they're still in the same position. And then all of a sudden we have a classic Sarah fights another woman who's dressed like a delivery person uh, in the Wienerlicious scene. And well, just... they couldn't end the season without it. Nah, you gotta gotta get those fight scenes in. I just need I need this Chuck fighting game. I need it to happen, Warner Brothers. Make it happen. Please. The Chuck just you play as the different characters, you play as the different bad guys, you have the different sets. It'd be so good. It'd be so good. After their battle, Lizzie ends up with the gun again and points it at Sarah, asking for the Marlin. Back at the Bymore, everyone is still working their scheduled shifts even though there's nothing to sell and customers <laughs> are not allowed in the store. Devin calls Chuck and tells him that he's decided to propose to Ellie over a classy homemade dinner and he needs the ring back in just two hours. Morgan overhears this and thinks Chuck is talking about his ring that he's going to give to Sarah. Chuck realizes that Morgan hid the ring because he was trying to stop Chuck and Sarah from getting married. That's very healthy. When Chuck tells him that it is for Ellie and Devin, Morgan reveals that the ring is at the Wienerlicious. Again, how, how? So the Wienerlicious, aside from being its own standalone small business, uh, is also like outfitted with government secret spy technology. And Morgan was able to break into it. Morgan was able to break into it in the middle of the night. It was not immediately killed by Sarah. How does this happen? We have, we have a lot of questions this episode, I guess. So Morgan reveals that the ring is at the Wienerlicious, which is also incidentally where Sarah is because Lizzie just locked her in a freezer after she stole the Marlin. 
chuck her Sarah didn't do... Re Sarah kind of gave up a little easily, I thought. She let herself get locked in that fridge. I don't think so. I don't know. I thought I thought Sarah could have done a little better if she maybe, you know, cared more. I don't know. I think you're blaming the victim here. Chuck <laughs> arrives at the Wienerlicious and finds that the Marlin has been snapped in two. And you know what? There's no ring and there's no receiver. He finds Sarah in the freezer and she tells him that he needs to find the gun that she hid in the jar of horseradish. He finds this very quickly and dumps it onto the ground, allowing the pistol to drop to the floor. That's the first rule of gun safety. Always drop the gun. Don't well, know it's... if it's loaded or not. Drop the gun. It's okay because he kind of goes, whoa, like while he's doing it. So we know that you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> yeah, don't actually drop a gun, kids. Um, Sarah says that Chuck needs to shoot the lock to help her escape uh, because this is similar to a Call of Duty game shot. He's reluctant to do this, but Sarah is freezing and tells him that she will shoot him if he doesn't do anything. Chuck fires and you know what? It's blank, which is totally normal. You can go see a doctor about it. Um, he needs to take the safety off, is what Sarah says. Don't take the safety off. There's too many risks when you do that. He drops the gun again. Chuck fumbles. And then, at this point, the police detective walks into the Wienerlicious, and he already suspects Chuck. So seeing Chuck by himself with a gun is not super reassuring. He takes Chuck's gun and leads him out of the store. Sarah hides, too. Like, she's not, she's not supporting Chuck. If she had just said, hey, I'm in here, I think it would have really helped him out. Probably, but instead yeah. she's like, I, get me out of this freezer, get me out of this freezer. I want to be in this freezer. Yeah. Casey asks Morgan where the Marlin is, and Morgan says the Wienerlicious. I understand that I may have said that already, but this, he, Morgan tells it to Casey later in the show. Like, at this point, you would think that Casey already knows this, because Chuck already knows it, but Chuck did not communicate this to Casey. Wow, that's a, that's a hard-hitting fact, Chris. Casey runs over to the Wienerlicious and finds the broken Marlin and the frozen Sarah. Casey shoots the lock and helps Sarah out of the freezer. As she exits the freezer, she says, The delivery girl is the mole. The detective took Chuck. Meanwhile, Devin and Ellie are having dinner, and Devin is calling Chuck, looking for the ring. But Chuck won't answer because, once again, the delivery girl is the mole. The detective <laughs> took Chuck. Well, this is honestly better because Devin was going to put the ring in the cake. And I know that's a thing, but don't put rings in cake. Don't put rings in things that people are eating. That's just bad. I think I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that this was 2007, but we should know better in the year 2018. I thought that's how you propose to people, was that you make them accidentally eat a piece of jewelry, and then you're like, now you're mine forever. <laughs> yeah, that's actually, I guess that is how it works. Because once you have consumed the, uh, the, the holy piece of jewelry, then it uh, exudes into your bloodstream the other person's ownership, and then mm -hmm. you do belong to them. So oh, yeah, sweet. okay. Okay, yeah. cool. Chuck realizes while driving with the detective that the detective is not really a police detective, he's CIA. Back at the Wienerlicious computer kiosk, Casey and Sarah update Beckman and the other guy about what's been going on. Beckman is not concerned about Chuck being with the detective because he's CIA, and there are definitely no rogue members of the CIA who would be looking to kidnap Chuck. I wrote this note uh, prior to this scene. Uh, this scene is, of course, where the police detective just says that he's a normal CIA agent. I was prepared for him to be Fulcrum, but he's not Fulcrum. No, because this was uh, not intended as the season finale, and they just repurposed it as such. So everything's think, kind of okay. I thought he was going to be in cahoots with um, Lizzie, though. Well, I mean, that would have been, been pretty smart, but I guess that's not where they wanted to go with it. Anyhow, his name is Longshore. So Longshore, or I guess his code name is Longshore. 
He brings Chuck to a helipad in downtown Los Angeles, which looks kind of familiar to me. Downtown Los Angeles, of course, similar to downtown New York, but worse, Sarah begs Longshore not to hand off Chuck to the other CIA handlers. She even says, Chuck's my asset. Chuck's my guy. Chuck's her guy! Hey, Sarah, who are your guys? Well, I got Chuck. That's it. Sarah starts to reach for the gun that she has tucked behind her back, but then Longshore agrees to give them a minute. Just one minute. Sarah moves to a place where Longshore would easily be able to see the large handgun sticking out of her (laughs) pants to say goodbye to Chuck. Chuck asks Sarah to let his friends and family know what happened to him, or at least an easy version of it so that they aren't too sad, and Chuck and Sarah start to tear up, so I start to tear up. Oh, that's pretty sad. Chuck also points out that since he will be in spy jail, he won't be colleagues with Sarah, and that the two of them can date, officially. He, I would also point out that he says that she can come by and tell him who the president is, which, depending how long he's in there, Chuck, I don't think you want to know. You won't understand. It won't make sense to you. Just stay in your ignorance. Wait, that guy from the show that was in between these two shows? <laughs> that guy from the other show? Sarah starts crying as Chuck walks back to Longshore to be taken away. Sarah tells Chuck that she'll save him later. Longshore is gunned down by Lizzie out of nowhere, who shoots the gun out of Sarah's hand. Sarah and Chuck run away and hide from Lizzie. Now Lizzie has two guns, she's looking for them, and she tells them, like a typical villain, that she has watched the receiver and she knows that Chuck is the intersect. Drama is building. Even worse. But you know bad. what she didn't do? What didn't she do? She didn't tell anyone else. She didn't tell her super. She did, she just was like, "Yep, I'm just. I know. I know this fact. No one else needs to know it. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna go." That's the best thing to do with a secret is just keep it to yourself. Yeah. Keep that big juicy secret to yourself. Because two even, can keep a secret if one of them is dead. Even worse than that, she knows that Chuck is the intersect, and she stole the wedding ring, and she's currently wearing it. Yeah, Not this cool, is weird. Lizzie. Not cool. Chuck and Sarah split up. Chuck distracts Lizzie with his usual Chuck bullshit. Lizzie tells Chuck that he's not in a position to bargain because she has two guns and then she asks what Chuck has, to which Sarah says, me, and she flanks Lizzie and tackles her. I think that Sarah would have had more success with this move if she had not spoken and had just attacked silently. Yeah, but it would have been as cool. Yeah. Lizzie and Sarah have a badass hand-to-hand fight on top of the helipad and goddammit, I need that fighting game. (laughs) Casey arrives wearing a coat and a baseball hat because I guess it got a little chilly uh, since the sun went down. (laughs) I mean, I can confirm. That is what happens in L.A. Lizzie and Sarah beat the shit out of each other on the ground uh, (laughs) near the edge of the building, and then they both roll over the edge of the skyscraper. They're just falling down. But don't worry. They both landed in a dumpster filled with trash down on the street. Uh, Sarah punches Lizzie out, and everyone is happy. That helipad wasn't really up that high. If, If they can survive that fall... It wasn't really that tall. No, it wasn't that tall. I I don't know. I think they uh, they debunked this on Mythbusters, but that's neither here nor there. I think basically <laughs> they said that the, the dumpster would have to be filled with the softest garbage possible. And that's well, we do find out later that it is full of ladies' feminine products. So, you know, that, those are pretty soft. I wouldn't know. The following morning, Big Mike returns to the Bymore and gets choked up like me watching the previous scene when he sees that everything has magically been returned to the Bymore. Well, I don't think that's what he's choked up about, Chris. I think he's choked up about the return of his Marlin. Maybe. I like to dig a little bit deeper, though, with my character analysis. Is Marlin the name of the dad fish in Finding Nemo? Yeah. But he's a clownfish. 
Yeah. Is a marlin a type of fish? Yeah. All right. Well, you see where I'm going here? Like, Nemo is a name. Marlin's not a name. I mean, Marlin's a type of fish. Marlin's he should name. just be called, like, Clown. Okay, carry on. Chuck and Sarah spend their morning searching through the trash dumpster, trying to find the ring because Lizzie uh, did not have it on her when the CIA took her away. So it's in there somewhere in the dumpster with all that trash um, and feminine care products. Devin decides to propose to Ellie, even though he doesn't have the ring, because not all moments can be awesome, but she's asleep, so she didn't hear it. Did he know that she was asleep? I thought he was just practicing. Oh, was he just practicing? I think so, because then he says, oh, I almost woke you up, or something. That makes more sense. Chuck, <laughs> Chuck sneaks into the apartment, covered in dirt, but he has the ring. Devin is pissed, but he is ultimately happy that the ring is back. Chuck, Chuck did not clean off the ring. To be clear, he says it might be a little dirty. He did not sanitize it at all. He wiped it was off in a thing of rice. Tie. Yeah. Fried rice, yeah. Chuck and Sarah stay outside of the apartment and peek into the window just as Ellie is saying yes to Devin with all of the emotional authenticity of a couple in a jewelry commercial. <laughs> he went to Jared's. He went to his dead grandma. Chuck wonders out loud how long he can last before he's captured by Fulcrum. Sarah tells him not to think about it and encourages him to go congratulate Ellie. Chuck invites Sarah in with him, but she declines, saying that it's family time. To which Chuck says, I know. That's sweet! Sarah shoots him down. Uh, Chuck goes inside alone. <laughs> Meanwhile, Sarah stands fully visible in the window as Chuck hugs Ellie <laughs> awesome. Casey joins Sarah, also fully visible in the window, but nobody sees them. Uh, I guess they're just their hugs are so good that they're just blinded <laughs> to everything else. Well, the Bartowskis are very passionate people, Chris. So I've heard. Uh, Casey looks at Sarah and says, You know we can only keep them here for so long. Close up on Sarah's watery eyes. And... Credits! That's a wrap on season one. That's a wrap on season one. Wow. That's season one of Chuck. What a ride it's been. What a twisted Call of Duty game we have played. Shout out to Guitar Hero 2, which is also a product featured in this, not as prominently as Call of Duty. I did notice it, though. I think Call of Duty 2, or uh, Guitar Hero 2. You think uh, it's superior? I think it's the best, best Guitar Hero. Well, uh, that's a bold claim to make, and I don't think we're going to do anything to top that. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back after this music. Bye. Cut out the bye again. I can't not say bye. Welcome back to episode 13 of Go Chuck Yourself. We have a few things to wrap up before we say goodbye for another season, or our first season, I guess. I don't know, another one, whatever. It's winter now, so that's the season. This is going great. So, um, Chris took over the uh, mantle. He has some pretty big shoes to fill, but I think that he's a pretty interesting guy, so let's see what he has for us by way of interesting information. Okay, so um, my information this week is not that interesting. Um, Let I... me be the judge of that, Chris, and okay. I will judge harshly. Fair enough. Okay, so two pieces of interesting information this week. When Sarah speaks German, according to my friends at Wikipedia, <laughs> we know they why... They are your th friends, because you pay for them. ...why they're my friends and not your friends. Sarah says, the translation, is, thank you for visiting us at Wienerlicious. That's that, nice. That's, that's what she Yeah, said. that's interesting. Thank you but for clearing that up, because we were wondering. I think this line is more important, and I think, I don't know if they intended this to be uh, why they had made this line stand out with the, the rest of the script... 
is that this is actually the last appearance of Wienerlicious in Chuck. What? Yeah, the next season oh. of business changes to orange, orange, frozen yogurt. Oh my god, okay. I, I don't know, I thought... I thought the, I thought we'd have more time with the Wienerlicious. Me too. I thought, it up. We, I thought we were going to say <laughs> goodbye to Scooter, and we didn't. And then I thought we were going to say goodbye to the Wienerlicious, and we didn't. Oh, God. I know. It's sad. It is kind of weird. I feel like yeah. we spend so much time talking about Wienerlicious, we're going to have to start talking about new things next season. That's going to be so hard. Mm -hmm. uh, so, no. Thank you, Wienerlicious. Thank you for visiting us. All right. Is that it? Um, and then the helipad. Uh, I don't know if this was overly obvious to you. Um, but that's the same helipad as the first episode when they go wow. up to the top of the building. What a surprise. I did not know that at all. That was sarcasm, Chris. <sighs> I know as a Los Angeles person, you probably hang out on that helipad all the time. So it's old we news. We do, yeah. But as an East Coast person, it seems pretty exotic and foreign to me. So I just wanted to mention it. Thanks, thanks, for, uh, thanks for doing your best, Chris. I'm going to give you a solid C. All right, I'll take it. It's the end of the semester. I'm pretty sure I have all A's for the rest of the class anyway, so I can I can manage to see. It won't hurt my average that bad. Great. Okay. So next we're going to move on to a segment that I like to call Chuck, Mary Kill. As always, we're going to pick one uh, part of this episode that we would like to wed in holy matrimony, as Chris would say, and we're going to pick another part of the episode that we would like to remove from existence forever. So, Chris... What would you like to marry this episode? Just want to point out, like last week, this episode also had people who were getting married and people who were almost getting killed. That's that's starting to be quite a theme here on Chuck. <laughs> gotta have someone get married, gotta have someone getting killed. Four weddings and a funeral. <clears throat> they set it up. Can we start with the kill? Sure. Okay. Go, go ahead. So my kill involves the wedding, the proposal. Okay. I think right. that I would have liked to uh, have seen like what the proposal scene actually would have been like in the room. I think it's kind of a ripoff that we were only outside looking in. However, um, I think that that does work because it shows the disconnect that um, the spies have compared to like the normal civilian life. Like Sarah and Casey wow. are the ones stuck outside the wall looking in, but Chuck exists, really exists in both worlds and he's outside, but he can also go in, but they know that they can't go in. So, so I guess I like kill? this. <laughs> this is my kill, I guess. <laughs> I just like the uh, the characters of Devin and Ellie, so I would have liked to see them have like an actual emotional proposal instead of just like uh, like we get it secondhand. However, I guess also conceptually, I really like not being in the room for the proposal. <laughs> so what the hell do I know? What about you? Great. Um, well, obviously <clears throat> I would kill the beginning section. First of mm -hmm. all... If we absolutely had to see Jeff and Lester being gross, which I don't really think we did, um, we definitely didn't need to see the video, at least not so many times. <laughs> I'm sure that the writers thought they were being like a little bit subversive by having this woman who's like overtly sexualized in the beginning turn out to be like a super capable or like semi-capable, she does get caught, agent, but it was just like not that great. But an honorable mention for something I would like to kill would be Morgan saying he was born through a C-section and felt robbed of a journey through the uterine canal. <laughs> Not great. Get rid just get it, get it out of there. Get it away from me. That's his truth, though. You can't deny him that, if that's how he feels. All right. <laughs> I'm going to not deny Morgan anything, apparently, because he has not been denied anything <laughs> in his life, and that's how he became the way he is. So, uh, moving on, who would you like, or who or what would you like to marry? I have a pretty big Mary. Do you want to go first? Is yours smaller? Mine is pretty small. Okay. Can I go second? Uh, 
Sure. Sorry to take control of what you're doing. But That's okay. Sorry. Um, as we've established in the last episode, I am a big fan of naming things. So I love, love, love that Big Mike has named his Marlin Norman. When it gets returned, he gets choked up and he whispers to himself, Norman. It's nice. Very nice. I agree. That was a nice Great. touch. I think we're getting, right. we're entering Big Mike world a little bit. He's I think we are, and it's nice. I'm happy that we know him as something other than the Diddler. Oh, I wasn't even thinking about the Diddler this week. <laughs> I'm always thinking about the Diddler. The Diddler strikes back. Can you think about how much diddling Norman was privy to? Oh, God. Just silence stuck up that on the long, wall. That long-range transmitter must have picked up so much diddling. <laughs> the people at Fulcrum were just like, oh, my God, where's the intersect? <laughs> <laughs> um... So my Mary this week, I want to, I would like to marry this episode functioning as a season finale. I think that even though it may not have been intentional in a lot of ways as a season finale, I think that worked really well. And um, I know at the time there was some criticism of it being like, this wasn't a good season finale. Um, the one thing I saw on Wikipedia said that one outlet said that they preferred um, the previous episode i think or um no they said that they think that the crown vic would have been a better season finale which i don't agree with i think this was a really good season finale so i like it i'm kind of glad that the writers went on strike to get more money for digital rights or streaming or whatever that they were doing because i think it worked out for chuck yeah i actually agree with you i don't know um presumably maybe some of the stuff they were able to insert or edit around or whatever but i thought it was pretty amazing that they had written this episode prior to the strike and that there were so many so many good tie-ins to the first episode, so many mm-hmm. like wrap-ups, so many callbacks and everything. So I thought that was really good. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I can marry that too if you want to uh, if you want to share. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do a Great. plural marriage. Okay. Polyamory, polygamy, whatever. Um so we're going to wrap up the episode here, but I just want to ask you before we go, do you think this episode held up? Um Aside from the cringeworthy stuff at the beginning, um, I think it did. I really enjoyed this episode, um, even though I experienced it spread out over the course of two and a half hours. Um, <laughs> I think that it was it had a lot of the emotional resonance of that Chuck is capable of having. Um, I think it had a couple of humorous parts. I don't know if they were intended to be humorous, but I did enjoy watching it. And I think, like I said, as a season finale, I think it makes me excited to see uh, the season two premiere and get into that because I think there's a lot of interesting stuff going on with the characters at the moment. Um, plot wise, uh, I don't know so much. I think at this point I'm definitely more interested in the characters, but I think that it works as a season finale and I think that it holds up pretty well. Yeah, I'm going to agree <clears throat> with you for pretty much exactly the reasons you said. I did think that it was really cool. Um, even if it wasn't intended as an ending, I think it was really cool how they used it as an ending and I think there's really, there's a solid plot structure set up here, and there's really nowhere to go but up. I'm excited for things to hopefully get a little bit less offensive, maybe, in season two. Um, But other than that, I think that um, I'm excited to see what happens, and I am excited to uh, give give it another go in the new year. Well, I think if things get less offensive, and then Wienerlicious also goes away, then there's, like, no point. Like, what are we going to... I know, we have, we'll have nothing to talk we're, about. We're going to talk about. Yeah, I don't but know. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. But we'll also maybe have a few more uh, bonus surprises coming up before we get into Season 2 proper, which as of the time of this recording, we do not know when that will be, but we will have those bonus episodes coming out soon, so we hope that you will check those out. Um, guess make sure to 
tweet at us. Follow us on Twitter at GoChuckPod. Um, and you can also email us at GoChuckYourselfPodcast at gmail.com. Let us know if you have an interesting Chuck-related story, specifically with story, uh, Season 1. That would be great. If it's interesting, maybe we'll read it on air next time around. We might once I check our email address. Ooh, there you go. Yeah, we could have emails. Who knows? But for the time being, I have been Aaron Arada, letting you know that food is sexy. And I've been Chris Gillespie this week, wishing you a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, a Happy New Year, and a reminder that anything is possible. Save you later! warm up make sure to email us at go chuck yourself podcast at gmail.com and tweet at us at go chuck podcast remember to like and subscribe to our show on apple Podcasts and write a review if that's something you need to do we'll see you next week bye bye oh.